I've had at least 15 students who have increased more than four grade levels. That is huge. And we did that during a pandemic. You're listening to the Ed Curation Podcast. We bring you stories from educational leaders about the instructional resources, practices, and movements that are reshaping learning. It's a little bit of social work, a little bit of science, and a little bit of passion. The most valuable resource is also their time. It just can't be wasted on fluff. But we have to be able to continuously poll our students and just give them voice. We have to pick texts that are totally going to push their thinking. Hi everyone, this is Christy Hemingway, your host. Kofi Annan said that literacy is a bridge from misery to hope. And Frederick Douglass said that once you learn to read, you will be forever free. Our concerns have been rising for the last decade over the falling reading and literacy scores in the United States. Stacked onto the learning loss of 2020, it now feels like a long, hard swim upstream to get our readers back on track. But that is exactly why you're going to love meeting our guest today, Principal Venus Jackson, and discovering the amazing resource that she has to share. Principal Jackson, welcome to the Ed Curation Podcast. Thank you so much. Yeah, we really appreciate you taking the time in your schedule because you're still, you've still got kiddos in the building and um, it's toward the end of the year, which is a crazy busy time for educators. Before we jump into hearing about the resource that you came to share with our, with our listeners today, tell us just a little bit about your background in education and how you came to your current role. Oh, sure. I'm not a traditional educator. So my background is mechanical engineering. I started off as a mechanical engineer in Baltimore City had a program where principals could hire an engineer to teach a math class. And I decided to take advantage of it. And it was in 2001, believe it or not. So I came in and I started teaching a geometry class and I fell in love with teaching. And I was able to get my students, 90% of them to pass what was then the standardized assessment in the classes that they took, which was Algebra One. So from there, I was hired as a math teacher. I progressed through you know, some of the um, different administrative paths, and then I became a principal. I've been with Baltimore City 20 years. So what made you decide to move from teaching in the classroom to administration? I'm always interested in what um, prompts that journey for people. So I would say a big lift is building capacity. And I think because I was not a traditional educator, my lens was a little bit different. So I was big on backwards mapping. Um, If the goal was to make sure that students were able to pass the standardized assessment as well as look at things from a holistic lens, what I learned was that you have, there's a shift in mindset. You really do have to teach or, or work with teachers to facilitate professional development in a way that they develop a growth mindset and so that they are not defensive when it's time to use data. So we're not looking at data in a way that speaks to your personal practices or beliefs, but we're looking at strategies and research-based strategies to determine if what you're doing is successful. And what I found was you can be more impactful when you're leading teams. So if you have been able to move data, it is better to have a person that has done it than a person who knows how to do it based on theory and not experience. 
So, you know, because I was able to move data from school to school, whether it was mathematics or literacy, and I think my mechanical engineering background made me solutions oriented, so it was never personal for me. Becoming a principal was a good fit. There is a lot of conversation around data in education, especially the last few years. And I don't know that people always are talking about the same thing when they're talking about the use of data. Like, what data are we talking about? How are we going to use that data? Who's going to gather it? What are we going to do once we have the data? We kind of throw that word around a lot, but we don't always know how to effectively use and gather and use the data. So, um, so I can imagine your mechanical engineering background has, has served you well in that. Um, so it's interesting to me that your background is math and you're kind of a math expert, but the resource that you came to share today is not a math resource. So I'm excited to talk about Reading Plus, and I do want to just kind of touch what you said. Um, because my background was math, my strength was always to go into a school and help them turn around their math data until two years ago when I was put over all of instruction as a resident principal. And when you're in that position, you realize those skills are transferable. And if you're using the same sort of systems, they work regardless of what the content is. So I had to stretch myself and I feel like now I'm just as good at moving English language arts data as I am at moving math data and maybe even more so because I have spent the last two years really looking at what was important. So I got so excited. I was um, given a position at Harlem Park Elementary Middle School as the principal, and we are a CSI school, which means that we are in the lower performing schools in the state of Maryland, and we've got about three years to turn it around. I just have to butt in here because first of all, who starts a story about being one of the lowest performing schools in the state with the words, I got so excited. Principal Jackson is a total gladiator and she's right on the money about systems working for any content area. If you're trying to turn achievement around in your school or content area and wishing you had Principal Jackson, but feeling a little sad because obviously there's only one of her. I recommend a listen to last week's episode with Steve Ventura on Achievement Teams. Achievement Teams are a system any school can implement to use data to increase teacher efficacy and student performance. It's great stuff, and I just wanted you to know. Now, back to Principal Jackson, who had three years to turn it around. So you know that puts a little pressure on you, and you've got to really think about what's going to be impactful. So when I was creating the budget late June, I had an opportunity to sit down and look at the um, Every Student Succeeds Act of all the vendors. And I came across a few and one of which was Reading Plus and Reading Plus has an ESSA rating of one. That is the highest rating you can have. So it's gonna be accepted by your school district. So you won't have to worry about that. So I had uh, Beth Szymanski come in to do a Zoom presentation for me on the logistics, uh, if it was user-friendly, what the platform offered, how I could use it. And I'm going to tell you, we had one hour slated, 25 minutes into the presentation. I said, Beth, you don't have to sell me anymore. I'm already sold. And let me tell you why. As a school district, we presently do not have 
a platform that would give us reading comprehension levels immediately. That is a game changer. And the reason I say it's a game changer, not just for my teachers. When I talk to parents and my expectation when teachers conference with parents and students, in real time, I ask them to pull up their Reading Plus platform and have a discussion with parents around the progress students have made or lack thereof in the areas of fluency, reading comprehension, reading confidence, as well as vocabulary. Reading Plus gives me all four. I've had children this school year who I knew had the potential, but we never had a tool except we do a diagnostic, we do a, a middle of year assessment, and then we do an end of year assessment. Well, if we're doing the diagnostic in September and the middle of year assessment does not come until January, well, those four or five months in between, we don't have much to talk about. Well, that's not good. Reading Plus changed that for us. So for every conversation, I'm able to talk to students about where they are performance-wise. I've had at least 15 students who have increased more than four grade levels. That is huge. And we did that during a pandemic because students can read independently. I've had students read over 200,000 words. Now we're able to monitor how many words they're reading. Students are selecting the text, but they're still being asked to annotate, to answer text-dependent questions, to close read, to give evidence-based responses, and to write. Teachers cannot do all of that for 400 plus students in one year. So let me, let me clarify for our listeners, Reading Plus is not a core comprehensive ELA curriculum. It's an intervention, am I right? Yes, absolutely. So it supports the work of the teacher. It's a supplement. The two will complement one another. Um, if, if you're in a school where you have a lot of your students performing below grade level, you need a tool to remediate the student so that they can better access grade level curriculum. It's a lift that the teacher will not have to do themselves. Yeah, and normally teachers do. And, and core curriculums that you purchase don't have these kind of interventions. I worked with a curriculum company and we sold, we had a, a fabulous inquiry-based, um, very rigorous ELA curriculum that we use. But in my professional developments, the question that always came was, what do I do with those struggling readers? How do I scaffold for them? And I had some strategies to give. But honestly, it was it was not satisfactory, the answer that I had to give to them because they what they really needed was like a one on one aid or or a, another teacher in that classroom to work with those kids. Reading Plus kind of does that, doesn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. So um, and you're t- tell me again, your your school is K-8? Pre-K to eighth grade. And we purchase subscriptions for every last one of our students from grades three to eight. And I'm just gonna have to say, it is reasonably priced. So I think um, for what it brings, the value add to your school and to your English language arts department and program, the cost is minuscule. Okay, so good to know, because that's always one of the first questions for sure. 
Um, I'm curious too, and I can tell that you are a researcher and somebody who kind of does all of the, the research before making a decision. You said that reading Plus's ESSA score was a big factor in you choosing this resource. What Can you talk a little bit about what other reasons why you chose it maybe over some of the other options or were there even other options that do what Reading Plus does? So there were other options and I'll, I'll share one of the biggest um, reasons I, I decided to go with Reading Plus is they measure silent reading. So a big push in our district is measuring students' fluency rates when they are speaking or reading aloud. But when students have to take the SAT, when students have to take the standardized assessments, they have to silently read. So we've got to measure comprehension, fluency, vocabulary, and stamina based on silent reading. In addition to that, Reading Plus has a tool that will move children along. It's called a guided reading rate. So it will assess the independent reading rate, and then it will continue to push the child. It actually puts blinders around the, the words. So it may only show six to seven words at a time, and it will guide the child along so that visibly all they can see are the words they want them to read. And then they have to immediately answer questions, and then they will determine if the children understood what they read based on the questions they answer right after the text. So I love that, and I don't know of another product that does that as well. Can you tell me, these are kiddos who are not reading at grade level for all variety of reasons, I'm guessing. Can Reading Plus um, address the challenges for students who have identified um, learning disabilities? Or is it just struggling readers who are below grade level, but not necessarily have learning disabilities? So not at all. Reading Plus is for everybody, even your gifted and talented students, your students who may have an IEP, as well as uh, your mainstream learner or a child that's proficient, maybe and just lacking some sub skill sets. Uh, and the reason I say that is it differentiates based on need. So for the child that's on grade level, Reading Plus will set an academic goal for that child as well to continue to keep them at grade level or above grade level. So just as I shared with you, some of my students who are underperforming in reading comprehension are were above grade level in vocabulary. So in the areas that they are above grade level, they will create a goal that continues to keep them above grade level. I see. So are all of your students using Reading Plus? Every last one of my children from grades three through eighth grade use Reading Plus. We've actually blocked out an intervention time for students to be able to uh, complete lessons during the school day. And so it really provides this beautiful personalized learning opportunity for students. So can you talk to teachers? Because I'm sure um, if the teachers who are listening are wondering how this looks in implementation. So you said you have blocked out reading plus time, and then that is in addition to whatever they're doing for their English language arts curriculum. How does this all work in a classroom? What does it look like to fit all those pieces together? Okay. 
So I'll give you, every school may not have a schedule that permits them to do an intervention block, but an ELA teacher should have small groups at some point. So my suggestion would be, and we do this on Wednesdays, in an English class, if you're working with a small group of students, you can put the other students on Reading Plus while you're working in small groups. And then the, the group that you're working with can go to work on Reading Plus and you can bring the other group. But there has to be some sort of conferencing around the lessons that students are completing. Um, minimally, it has to be monthly. Ideally, you wanna do it no less than bi-weekly if you can to be able to talk to students about the progress they're making, the expectation, what the, your goals are for them, and then if they're making adequate yearly or semi-annual uh, growth. So um, do, the, do the students like it? And what are you seeing and hearing? So I'm gonna tell you, my students love it. If you look at my tracker, and hopefully you'll be able to see that, it shows you the overall uses, usage for my entire school. So my school started at zero in April, and that's average lessons. And now I'm gonna say last week, I believe we're at 29 average lessons. You will never see a dip in my data. It looks like an exponential function. It's a curve that keeps going up. And I think I said to you um, earlier on that some of my students have read 200,000 words, 150,000 words. That exceeded what we asked them to do. So some of the students say, well, I like getting on. When I'm bored, I can go read about different things that are of interest to me. That's a feature that Reading Plus has. We do not assign the assignments. The students are able to go choose what content they want to read about, and then it will adjust it to their grade level. So it's always something of interest to the reader. And is Reading Plus continually updating their content to keep it current? Absolutely. Absolutely. So good. Are your teachers just feeling so relieved? Like, finally, these kids' needs are being addressed in ways that I, as a teacher, was not able to, to do, to deliver. So I'm going to say that most teachers don't like to look at it from a de deficit on their end. But what we have been able to embrace is the, the fact that this is 2021. And if we're going to be effective teachers, that means we have to use technology effectively. And they have algorithms that will do the work for us that one individual teacher would never be able to do. So the system is differentiating instruction so that the teacher does not have to do that. So if the teacher is effective with conferencing with students and reviewing the goals and communicating with not just the student and the parent, the expectation around the number of lessons, the teacher will benefit. And so will the student and that's who we serve. We wanna make sure that our students have every opportunity to grow and to be able to demonstrate grade level proficiency or above. And before now, I definitely did not have a tool that would have allowed that. Can you share a specific success story at all from a, a teacher or classroom or a, a specific student? I do. So I don't think I can give a student name, but what I will do is I can give you two examples. I, I, I'm telling you, I probably have 20, 25. Um, I have a student that transferred in from Baltimore County. So this is their first experience with the Baltimore City School. And at the school he came from, he was not celebrated that often. 
He is a seventh grader. He was reading on a third grade level based on his diagnostic. But I don't think that was based on his ability. I think more so than his ability, some of that dealt with motivation and the ability or inability to independently work to meet his own goal. So the reason I said that, that's real important. For students who are intrinsically motivated, we wanna take all of the responsibility for students learning. All of that should not be in the teacher's hands. Sometimes you need tools like Reading Plus that will allow children to take ownership of their own progress. He took advantage of it. I will tell you today, he is reading on grade level. His reading comprehension is, I'm going to tell you, mid-seventh grade. His vocabulary is somewhere around 10th grade. And his fluency is on grade level. He received a bicycle in December for his achievement in reading plus and his growth in reading comprehension. You have no idea how that has impacted his confidence. Now he's looking at what high school I want to go to in eighth grade. He has one more year to continue to build. Those options for some of the more competitive high schools would not have even been on the table for him, but now they are. And that is huge. I will give you another example of a young lady that's in his class. And when we had the conversation, she says, you know, yeah, I am smart, but I think I do better than most of the students who are in my class. And I said, well, why are you measuring yourself by students who may not have the exact same level of ability that you have? I need you to measure yourself by someone that you think is just as smart as you are, or maybe even sharper than you are. She said, oh, I have somebody in mind but I don't think I can measure up. I said, you absolutely can. And she told me who it was. I said, the difference between you and that student, that student is working independently and you're not. When I went into Reading Plus, it demonstrated that she had insufficient usage. She was not completing the allotted lessons, weekly lessons. So that was a conversation I had with her. I'm gonna tell you within two weeks, this child reached back out to me. She had read 75,000 additional words and she increased her reading comprehension by two grade levels. That's what education should be about. Taking some of the ownership around learning and allowing students who have the ability to be able to grow at their own pace. Well, and it's cross-curricular because reading is going to affect their academic performance in every content area. And so to get them up to speed with their reading can change a kid's whole trajectory like you just described. This boy who's now thinking, where do I want to go to high school? Maybe where do I want to go to college? Who is reading at a third grade level? Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's the conversation I have with all of my middle schoolers. We tell children, all right, we're going to work to get you into the most competitive high schools. But is that really true? We know as educators, we can't get them in if they're reading well below grade level. But if I say to a parent, I know that your child has the ability. Right now, they're three grade levels below. But if you partner with me, and you make sure that your child's completing three Reading Plus lessons each week, I promise you we'll see the benefits. 
the game changer. So you're mentioning parents. So parents are very involved here. So my teacher's conference with both students and parents. And what I've asked is whenever they have a conference, they pull up Reading Plus and they show the graphs, the tables that explain uh, the growth in reading comprehension, vocabulary, and fluency, and what the projected growth, growth is based on current usage and where we would like for them to be if they are not meek, meeting the mark. So parents have to understand that it is not until a child completes about 40 lessons that we begin to see the gains we need them to see. So it's imperative that students are minimally completing three lessons per week and we show parents how to go in to see what they've done, how to monitor the progress they have, and how to look at the sub-skills they're mastering. So it sounds like they're, do they're doing some work at school. Sometimes there's time allotted for their Reading Plus, and they have the opportunity to do a lot of outside-of-class work as well, work at home. So if a kid's really motivated, they could really hit it hard and make a lot of progress pretty fast. Absolutely. And I'm going to tell you from a parent perspective, instead of a parent having to hire a tutor, you can make sure that when you have your child at home in the evenings, maybe they complete two additional reading plus activities each week as a way for the parent to promote, um, I'm going to say proficiency in language arts instead of paying for tutoring. Yeah, that's, that's so good. So can you just give us an idea of, did your teachers need to be trained? Did they go through some kind of professional development? How long did it take them to get proficient in implementing Reading Plus? So Reading Plus is actually user-friendly, but we did embed training. We started in the summer. Beth trained my entire leadership team first. Then we trained our instructional leadership team and then we rolled it out in collaborative plannings. We also reviewed it in our faculty meetings. And I'm gonna tell you that the re one of the reasons I think it's been as successful as it has is I am Reading Plus's biggest cheerleader. Because I believe in it, because I talk about it all the time, because I reference it. When I have uh, meetings with teachers, I pull it up. I look at what what type of usage rates they have for their classes. I ask for the students who are not completing the three lessons, where's your documentation of communication with parents around um, their performance on Reading Plus. I ask for documentation when it comes to conferencing with students. And we have uh, competitions. So we have homeroom competitions. We just, our most recent one was March Madness. Um, we do one homeroom against the other usage-wise so that it can also be fun and students have an opportunity to win gift cards. So once the children be, begin to see their progress, we pick up the phone and call parents to say, hey, have you looked at what David has done? David has improved two reading levels. We've got to celebrate it. That's how you shift a culture. And Reading Plus has, has given us that real-time tool to be able to measure proficiency. So great. And so great to have the parents really in and sharing the data with them because then the student feels like they have a whole team, a whole network of people who are behind them, supporting them and supporting their success. Um, so who would you recommend this to? So I'll tell you who I'd recommend it to. I would recommend it to every school. If you're a high-performing school, if you're an underachieving school, I recommend it. 
because it's a conversation changer. Now the conversation's not around what is the teacher doing? What is the teacher not doing? The conversation is exactly where is the child? What, st what skills need to be remediated? How much time are they putting in? So it does not now put the onus or the blame on any person. What it does is it tells us how we can fill the achievement gap, how we can get students ready. I'm thinking I am a pre-K through eight school, but I use it to lift a conversation around, will my students really be ready for a competitive high school so that they can get in college? Once I know that I have a child reading on grade level uh, and uh, when it, as it relates to uh, reading comprehension and vocabulary and fluency, I know they're gonna be college bound because the work won't be a problem. And do you have a tool that will challenge them when they need to be challenged? So if our goal is to have, so my students who are on grade level now, for next year, the goal is two years above grade level. Level. The following year, the goal would be 35% two year above grade level. Now you've got a culture shift. Because if we started out with most students below grade, grade level or just at grade level, now what are you doing with the students who are above grade level? Those are good problems to have. So you know that it's meeting every student right where they're at. Absolutely. And I'm guessing that there's a sense of excitement among your students because they just, they're achieving and they're probably achieving at levels that they didn't imagine for themselves, many of them who were struggling readers. Absolutely. And I honestly, I think it's even a bigger lift for parents because when you have a conversation with a parent and you don't have to say, well, in September during the diagnostic and it's May or in January during the middle of the year diagnostic and it's May, I'm able to say, okay, from September through May, this is what your child has done each month and they're making adequate progress. This is where we wanna push them. Their vocabulary is a little above grade level, but their reading comprehension is still one year below. The goal is that between now and the end of the year, we get them on grade level, and we should be able to achieve that by having them complete four reading plus lessons a week. That's a different kind of conversation. Yeah, the, that kind of specificity is so empowering. Because we know exactly what the problem is and we know exactly how to address it. Mm -hmm. And the parents can support us because the parent can log in to see if the child's completing the number of lessons that they're supposed to read and to look at the scores they're getting on the lessons completed. Principal Jackson, is there anything that I didn't ask you that you would love for our audience to know or hear about? So I will say that um, Beth Szymanski is outstanding. I mean, she has gone above and beyond in supporting our school. And if Reading Plus didn't have that sort of representation, I don't know that we would have been able to lift um, reading scores this year the way we have. So I wanna thank Reading Plus for the support they've given to me as a principal, as well as to my staff. As the host of this podcast, I regularly learn about resources that I desperately wish I'd had during my years in the classroom. And I think about how this or that resource would have changed my practice as a teacher and more importantly, the outcomes for my students. Reading Plus is definitely at the top of that list. I've worked with districts all over the country and I've never met a single educator who wasn't concerned about raising reading scores. 
These are worries that have been compounded by remote learning during the 2020-21 school year. And if you're wondering how to spend your stimulus funds, wonder no more, because you can find Reading Plus at edcuration.com. Reach out to a representative via the Connect to Vendor button and see about getting your subscription started right away. And while you're at EdCuration, set up your free dashboard where you can save favorite resources, keep notes, and create comparison spreadsheets. You'll also find numerous professional learning opportunities, including explorations, our certified ed trustee program, webinars, and our blog. If you have a resource you'd like to share with our podcast audience, reach out through our website. And if you found this episode helpful, we hope you'll subscribe, share, and leave us a comment. And tune in again next week to the Ed Curation Podcast.